Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The union of Jews and Gentiles in Christ is the pattern for the solution to all racial division in the world. Sadly, most people don't want the solution God offers. We've sought to help you understand the world's way of addressing racism and to see how the real answer applies. We also need to be vigilant to keep our guard up against allowing non-biblical ideas from a secular worldview to work their way into the church. Please listen as Pastor Harris gives today's slice of this week's timely message entitled, Fellow Citizens of God's Household. Cornerstone is a stone that would be made to exacting dimensions and shape and set first before all other parts of the building and everything else was measured in relation to the cornerstone. That stone determined the size and the shape and the support of the whole building. Christ is our cornerstone. The apostles and prophets are the foundation. All the other stones were adjusted in relationship to it. Now, I want you to prepare to be enthralled. I'm going to tell you something that is so super-duper exciting, I can hardly extend it. In verses 19 through 22, brace yourself here. Don't get overexcited. Don't leap out of your chairs. There are three Greek participles dangling from the phrase, you are. Is that mind-boggling or what? Now, there are about five people in the room who might have an idea of what a Greek participle is and how it works. It's one of the most elegant things of the, of the New Testament Greek language. The excitement is not in the grammar. The excitement is in what the grammar means. You are fellow citizens. Now, here are the three participles. Having been built on the foundation. That means this is a once-for-all transformation. It's one foundation. You are built on the foundation. The tense is perfect. It's done. It's settled. It's fixed. That's who you are in Christ. The next participle is being fitted together. That's describing the never-ending work of the Lord in making all the pieces of the body of Christ fit together and grow together. The third participle is our being built together. Another description of the never-ending work of the Lord in making His church into what He intends it to be. Now, there are other metaphors for the church. We will see more of them as we move through Ephesians. There is one that is especially unique, the idea that we are a, like a body. But all of these things, as they are grammatically described, they're all passive voice, which means we don't do it. We receive it. This is the work of the Lord. He is making us into what He wants us to be. And all three metaphors, the kingdom, the household, and the building, they contain the common elements of continual growth and us being God's 
dwelling place. God's dwelling place is no longer um, confined to the holy place in the temple in Jerusalem. It's not tied to a geographical place. It's tied to people who are in covenant relationship with Him by faith in Christ. Now I'm going to come back to all of that stuff, and we're going to draw from it later. We'll need it as we move into chapter 3 and beyond. But I saved the majority of our time today to give you one final blast of application specially focused on current events. Maybe you've noticed racism is a problem. It's a huge problem in our world. We didn't fix it all when we passed the civil rights um, legislation back in the 1960s. Uh, You've talked to people who have experienced and or are experiencing the negative effects of racist attitudes, you're likely to hear some things that will make you uncomfortable. And they might provoke you to think about fresh ways to better live as a Christian in the world. But understand, the gospel is the only real solution to racism. And the gospel is sufficient to address racism. Our duty, our responsibility is to do it right. Our goal is to be the kind of people who live this way and to be the kind of people who stand for living this way, where this way is the way that all people are treated equally. The time that we've been lingering in Ephesians 2 and addressing these things is not to say, well, Christ died, Jew and Gentile are one, we don't need to talk about racism. No, it's, it's a big deal, all right? Saying the wrong things in some places can get you into physical trouble. Standing for the wrong things in some places can get your business burned down, can get you fired from your from your job or denied a job or, or, or what? This is a big deal. We're not here to say, ignore it. We're not here to say, don't talk about racism. As a matter of fact, quite the opposite. Address racism honestly, openly, in a civil manner, and understand it for what it is. It is a tool of Satan. He invented it. Don't accept the conflation of certain views of racism with the gospel. Engage people and talk about it. But for the rest of our time today, I want to try to finish helping you understand that there are approaches to the sin of racism that are being espoused in our culture, and we have to reject them. I've told the story several times of, oh, I don't know, it was a long time ago, when our son was about eight, we were on our annual vacation to Colorado, and my older brother, nine years older than me, who uh, is an avowed atheist, uh, was in the region. He stopped by and uh, spent a day or two with us, and uh, he used to really enjoy baiting me with arguments to blow up my, my worldview, and he picked one of these times to do it, and uh, we got into an extended 
discussion, and we, and we didn't do any yelling or, or screaming, but it was pretty obvious there was no changing anybody's mind. But what was interesting to me more than that conversation was what our eight-year-old son said to me afterward when we were alone. He said, why is Uncle Hal so stupid? <laughs> you got to understand, Uncle Hal has a Ph.D. When they sliced up the pie that was allotted, the, the, the pie of brains that was allotted to my generation in our family, he got half. All right? My other brother and I had to split up the other half, and we're still fighting over that, I think. He's brilliant. Right? And it wasn't that he's stupid. Now, here's the, here's the analogy. These things that are being said about racism are not from stupid people. These are the very best solutions that people can come up with to a problem because they have denied the answer to the problem before they've asked the questions. That's what my brother does, for example. Well, you know, if, uh, what, how often do you see a new species come into existence? Well, it, it never happened. We've we, we never seen that. Okay, well then, m- maybe they were all created according to their kind. Oh, no, no. Just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean it hasn't happened. It just, it just took a long time. So we need billions of years. Uh, well, well, you know, and, and what about the Grand Canyon? Well, what about a great flood? Well, you know, that, that, didn't, that didn't happen. Well, then why are there marine fossils on the top of the highest mountains in the world? You, you, you're going to reject the data. You're going to reject the proper interpretation of the data because of a worldview. Because you've ruled out the answer before you've started considering the question. So, please, when you dialogue with people, when you talk with people about things, don't be demeaning. Don't be, uh, don't be superior. You have the truth on your side. As I heard one guy say this week when we watched a video, you know, somebody says, well, I don't believe the Bible. And he says, okay, that's your problem. Uh, the, the point is, it's true. And you don't have to say that in a, in a nasty kind of a way. But here's what I want to say. There are these ways of analyzing and confronting racism that are being promulgated in the world, and they are wrong. They are founded upon an anti-God worldview. But the danger is, and what we can do that nobody else can do, the danger is we have to keep these things from trickling into the church. And they started trickling into the church. Now they're not trickling. They're flooding into the church. So I want to suggest to you four reasons why these things need to be rejected by Christians. And I'll try to put enough flesh on the bones that you can recognize what we're saying. Reason number one, these approaches are rooted in an anti Christian worldview. I talked to you a little bit a year ago about the, the, the social justice movement. Very big deal. That is a, a political and racial influence geared toward achieving the goal of deconstructing, that's a polite way of saying tearing down, the existing power structures of our society. The goals of the social justice movement are not biblical justice. Biblical justice is everyone being treated equally. 
everyone being accepted without partiality. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.